This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast, episode 267, Ranking Disney's Post-Renaissance Era. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, the number one place to get your animation fix with animation addicts just like you. Each episode, we dive into the wonderful world of animation featuring Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between. From hilarious discussions and movie reviews to interviews with industry insiders, this show's mission is to brighten your day through our love of animation. So hop on your nerdy couch, grab some snacks, and get ready to hang out with your animation besties because it's time to dive into today's episode. Hey there, animation addicts. I'm your host, Morgan Stradling. And I am Chelsea Robson. Chelsea, we just had a great episode a few episodes ago where we talked about at length the Disney Renaissance era. We had much to say. We could have gone on for quite a while. And now we are hitting the next phase of the Disney eras, which is the post-Renaissance age or era. And I thought it was really interesting because we've talked about, remember those books that are called They Drew As They Pleased? Yes. And it's supposed to be kind of like a history of the Disney animation films. And they're, they're breaking them down into the eras so that way they can have multiple volumes. So they could sell more, of course. Of course. And, Why wouldn't they? And then they're also doing it as a way to highlight the different artists. Um, and we've talked about their interesting choices of eras <laughs> and the way they want to break it down. So <laughs> they have the golden age, which we know the musical years or the wa- wartime era. Okay. The, mm-hmm, the story mm-hmm. checks out, you know, it lines with what we believe to be history. Then there's the late golden age. Right. Okay. We just call that the silver age. <laughs> then they call it the mid century era, okay. which is kind of like the sixties, Hunter and Dalmatian, jungle book, all that. Mm hmm. Then there is the early Renaissance, which we know as the Bronze Age or the Dark Ages. <laughs> they don't want to go there. But this one, to be honest, I found the most peculiar because they're leading with the early Renaissance mm-hmm. as one of their ages. Mm-hmm. So that would mean that there is then a Renaissance, right? Right. So you would think right. the next book in the series would be the Renaissance era, right? Or the Renaissance. Right. Age. I would I would go along with that. Yeah. Instead, they call this the new golden age. Because again, <laughs> they really don't want to make one era sound more important or special than the other. 
So as if there were a dark age. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's just the pre- <laughs> to have a renaissance, pre-renaissance means that there was a, <laughs> the pre-renaissance, a dark age. Don't worry about it. But then why don't you call this one the renaissance? Well, because in this, they consider this age to go from 1990 to 2020. What? What? No. Come on, Disney. I mean, you're already six volumes into this. What's another two? There are two very distinct ages after the Renaissance, and especially because they're releasing more and more books or more and more movies each year. Right. To warrant naturally that they're going to fall into different, you know, decades or eras. And it's when I saw that, I was just like, get out of town, get out of here. Why would, why would you do that? And it's funny because the, the animators or the artists that they highlight here are not even kind of the ones that you would think of. Like, okay, so if you're thinking of Renaissance artists mm-hmm. to highlight, because basically each, there's four, three or four artists, two to four, that they're going to highlight, you know, uh-huh. that were really instrumental to this age. Who would you think? What era are we talking about? The Renaissance. So for Renaissance. True, true Renaissance. True Renaissance. I'm going to say, you know, during 1989 to 1999. And you're going to say Glenn Keane, Andrea Stasia, mm-hmm. Eric Goldberg. Yes. Like there's several of these guys that are like, these are the guys. Yeah, they're not there. Nope, what? not them. Yeah, so it's Joe At Grant. All? No, Hans Bacher, Mike Gabriel, I, okay, and Michael Jaimo. Um, yeah. Michael Jaimo. He was he was the art director of Pocahontas and then Frozen. Yeah, yeah. 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 So obviously cool, but just huh? What? No, no, Glenn Keane. What? So you know, it just kind of from me looking at this book, I'm like, okay, you got something going on here. I don't understand yeah, why there's a spin you wouldn't highlight. Trying to do this. With. Yeah, and just the fact that they're trying to lump it all together because they don't. They it just like okay. The Renaissance is so good. You could have a book all on its own just about the Renaissance, which was, we had an episode all on its own just about right. the Renaissance. It was very long. Yes. And here we go. And we're, we, we don't want to talk about the 2000s. That's just no. uh, the redheaded stepchild. It's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like the, the Bronze Age, which we don't. It's the pre-Renaissance Age. OK. It's like, <laughs> OK, you can come up. Why don't you just call it the pre-revival age? There's the pre-Renaissance, the Renaissance, uh-huh. the pre-revival and the revival. Yeah. Cool. And then you get two new books out of it. It makes more sense to me. But no, anyways, this is a super long Morgan rant. On, <laughs> why are you doing this, Disney? Come on. The new golden age did not last 30 years. <laughs> Come on. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I feel like this is definitely an example of gaslighting. <laughs> like all of these are equally all as good. All of these were the Renaissance. All of these were great. <laughs> There was never a time when anything was less great than the others. (laughs) (laughs) This is very 1984. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, I get it. You're you're a publicity spin artist. I get it, you know, but give yourself some respect here. So, I mean, for this reason, and, and these books aren't necessarily true Disney historians. You know, you would hope Disney would yeah. do a good job because they have access to the archives. But it just goes to show that I can't trust Disney to do a good job representing the history of what happened here. That's why books like Disney War exist, because yes. they show maybe the other side that we didn't see. That was an amazing book. Um, and so I feel like if someone were to redo these books, it would be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily highlight the um, 
the go from the artist perspective, although that's the, what they were going for. Like, hey, let's highlight all these amazing artists who were involved. Yeah. But for me, I, I'm more interested. And when I first got these, that's really what I thought they were. You know, it says the hidden art of Disney's. These are all the hidden art, mm-hmm. the, the art you didn't really notice or whatnot. It's all, you know, concept art and stuff. But I'm craving more of a true history for each of the eras. And I think that would be really something cool if someone wanted to go ahead and do that. Makes so, Do you want to so. do that? Uh, not at this current point in time. So that's not the point. Sorry, I that got was other our, like, stuff to do. That was our mini couch discussion for our mi- nerdy couch discussion episode, which is this one. Let's talk about this post-Renaissance era. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Disney Hippo! What? Yeah! <laughs> Ow! You threw off my groove. Started... 1999 ended 2009 i just i have to say i'm looking at all of these films and i honestly think that this is the true dark age like it's the uh like i'm looking at all of these and i'm like i've maybe watched i've maybe watched some of these maybe twice only because of the podcast and i i just i resent saw it when it, it came out and then saw it for the podcast <laughs> yes and we're done yeah and we're done <laughs> and i feel like the other like from the renaissance years i've watched those an innumerable amount of times right, and right these i'm just looking at and like oh do i have to <laughs> you well must. on the, the other side i was like oh don't make me choose and now this one is like oh don't make me choose oh mm-hmm. it's really i think this is going to be more of a fight uh not necessarily a fight but a a discussion on which one is is like worse because we definitely know which one's best out of these but mm-hmm. oh there's so many variations of bad that come yep. with these yep so let's talk oh, fantasia i actually as we've discussed before fantasia 2000 sorry you're right Fantasia 2000. I personally enjoyed Fantasia 2000 more than I did the original Fantasia. And I know we differ on this. Like we are completely Mm -hmm. the opposite Mm -hmm. on this. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I understand. And the reason for me is the fact that while I do appreciate and love classical music over the last like several months, really all I have been listening to is classical music just because it calms me. And there are times in life where I just need to be calmed. (laughs) And this has been Mm -hmm. great for that. But I think that as far as like creating a narrative and more of a a script, I guess, to me, this was it felt shorter, and therefore more palatable as especially as a child, like I could get behind this one better. So that's what I say about Fantasia 2000 for you. You know, Fantasia 2000, you know how much I love the original and just right. grew up watching that over and over and over again. And then this one, it just didn't do it for me. Yeah, it has new music and the animation is amazing and beautiful. It's just like Fantasia was what it was. And then yeah. trying to recreate it again, it's I didn't need it. And it, it just felt yeah. unnecessary, unwarranted. <laughs> it pales in comparison to how cool the first one was and 
innovative. I just don't go back and watch this one ever. I have no need to watch this one. Right. Wasn't this like a passion project for not Roy the brother, Roy the nephew? I feel like it was. I feel like I have a memory of him really pushing this. So maybe it was more of a nepotism side or a nostalgia out of for him. I don't know. I also remember that Michael Eisner really wanted to include certain songs and the directors and the artists were like, no, <laughs> um, like the baccalaureate march that you hear at graduation. Oh, what's that called? He really wanted that. He thought that was just pop and circumstance. Is that what it's called? Yes. And he was just like, we got to have it. And everyone said, no, no, it's like, <laughs> why? There's nothing to that. And he pushed it and he got his way. But, you know, so it just kind of shows that really there was a lot of butting heads happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where with directionally, maybe this wasn't what the higher ups and the directors and the artists, they weren't aligned and kind of in the end shows. Yeah. So going on dinosaur, this was technically the first CGI film for Walt Disney animation studios. Yes. Dinosaur has so many issues. So, so, so many issues (laughs) while beautiful. And I feel like I remember they tried to do the same preview as what they did with the lion king of like the opening sequence look at the egg Mm -hmm. (laughs) follow it yeah yes what an adventure this egg is going on (laughs) i loved our discussion about dinosaur though and Mm -hmm. if you go back into our archives you go to rotoscopers.com slash every episode ever you can check out that and i just remember we had a really great conversation about the details on why like where it could have been better and most of that i think had something to do with if they would have been able to add more of a element of abundance versus scarcity mentality and kind of like real reactions but in the end it really was just land before time but by disney (laughs) so (laughs) i think don blue did it better totally Yes, absolutely. The Emperor's New Groove in 2000. So this is the first year where we have, well, no, Fantasia. There were two animated films released, Tarzan and Fantasia 2000. Then Dinosaur in 2000, we have two more. So they were really saying like, hey, we're having a summer release and a winter release. And we get Emperor's New Groove. I love Emperor's New Groove. Oh, who doesn't? It has a storied past, which I find even more delectable than the movie itself. (laughs) But the story is just fun. So quotable. So great. Love it. Yeah. Great characters. Mm -hmm. So funny. Just one of those films you want to go back to and watch because you know you're going to have a good time. Yeah. And you can tell, like, even though the first two, I think you had a lot of people who had a vision of, I want this to be this for artistic sake. And then when it came down to it, that's how the Emperor's New Groove started out. But because things just weren't working, they were just like, screw it. <laughs> just make it funny. Go. <laughs> and yeah. they just had a great, like, they threw it all together within, like, six months, which was insane. Um, <laughs> it was like, all right, just go. Let's make this last. Yeah, sure. All right. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's good. It didn't blow, you know, box office out of the way, although it wasn't a flop by any means. It made its yeah. money back and, and did pretty well. But we're starting to see... There's a change happening. Mm -hmm. And we saw that at the late latter part of the 90s, where Mm -hmm. they're just not going to be these as huge blockbusters as we were expecting, even though those movies were still great. But now at this point, it's like the the Disney fatigue is really happening. People have wisened up to Disney, what they are now. They're not the Disney from the early 90s. So I can't go in expecting. And then 
you know, even just the tone of this film is, is different, you know? I think a lot of that has to do with, so there's the book Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull. And Mm -hmm. when I read that, I was just, I was hit with exactly why that was. And you had all of these, when you compare like within Disney War, you could see all of the politics that were happening in the upper categories of the company, like the C-suite. Yeah. And then you go down to what was happening as far as creativity wise, they really did not want to move into any kind of new and follow the creative vibe that was truly pushing forward. Like they cut out John Lasseter. They did not want to have anything to do with Ed Catmull and they did not have, want to have anything to do with this Pixar thing or computer animation. Like they were really like, no, like sitting on their laurels, I guess you could say. Um, Mm -hmm. They were just going like, we're Disney. We can do no wrong. And originally I wanted to do this episode as kind of like the Pixar age, because this is really where Pixar was adding to the competition and showing. And this is one of those moments that's kind of in the same vein of a Don Bluth separating and creating competition mm-hmm, to show mm-hmm. the, where you can't sit on your laurels. You have to continuously push forward in creativity. And it, the exact same thing happened. Not well, the exact same principles happened. Um, they were like, they were stuck on what they wanted to do. They didn't want to expand creatively in image wise. And so you had a couple people who were like, okay, we want to do something that aesthetically is different. And so they went branched off and created their own little thing, which ended up surpassing the, uh, the giant as the, as did Disney had become. And mm-hmm. I highly, highly recommend the book creativity inc because one i don't think there's a better uh leadership book out there it's one of my favorites that i've ever read and i've read a lot of them but as a history showing how this ebb and flow of uh, really pride comes down to it what happens when you don't want to step outside of yourself and step out of your comfort zone of what you'll inevitably fall so that's mm-hmm. my that's my little rant on there as to why <laughs> i think this was all happening It's a good one. We'll include a link in the show notes where you can check that out. Definitely, definitely worth listening to or Mm -hmm. or reading. Excuse me. Either one. Yes. Both available for all sort of learning types. Now we're going on to something that I was just so pumped for. I thought this was going to be it. It It's going to be so good. Atlantis, the Lost Empire. Wah, wah. It did not (sighs) live up to my expectations. And I knew it. And this kind of was, (sighs) I would say, the first real disappointment but it really was like, okay, Disney's just not what it used to be. Yeah. And I felt sad about that because like the animation style was so cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had this princess girl that just looked so cool and could have mm-hmm. been everything. So many elements that they had going for them. But they just, I think story was obviously where, it, you know, for me, where everything falls apart. But it's just like. What did I, there was just so many conflicting things about this movie that just didn't work. And yeah. So that, we didn't spend too much time on it. <laughs> that, is, that is where the disappointment comes in, where it's, I remember being excited for this movie and thinking, okay, we're, we're, we're coming back, Disney. We're coming back, right? Um, yeah. But we didn't. 
It's okay. We, we did not. <laughs> we kind of came back for Lilo and Stitch 2002. We did. I think this one redeemed itself. Yes. And was was different and fun and unique. And even the music in this one was a little different. They had Elvis soundtrack I love for Elvis. a lot of the songs, but then they also had a few original numbers uh-huh. that were Hawaiian inspired and esque. Uh-huh. So that was cool. So it felt Disney and they went back to the watercolor backgrounds that made it feel kind of like the old Disney film. The character designs are very different. Um, I can't think of his name. It's on the tip of my tongue, but he's, he's known for more of these, these female characters and these characters that kind of have more stout, you know, like hardiness to their designs. Chris Sanders. Yes. Mm -hmm. The director. If you look at his characters, you know, it's not the slim, super, super fit sort of female characters. They're, they got bigger legs and, and it's, it's nice. It's cool to see. And we saw that a lot in, in Lilo and Stitch, different design characters. And, but you know, it does have this weird element of the classical Hawaii with space aliens, you know? So <laughs> does that, right. you know, typically will that work? You wouldn't think that it would, but it does work pretty well. Yeah. So this was the, I think for me, I was such, I was so disappointed from Lost Empire that I really wasn't even giving this one the time of day at the time, mm-hmm. but going as I've, I've, I have seen it and I've enjoyed it, but it was like, I don't think I've, I was able to give it as much love as it really deserves. Cause it really is a good movie. Yeah. yeah and then we go into Treasure Planet, which once again, complete, like what? Why were we so involved in space during these? <laughs> well, Ron and John, the directors, really wanted this. They've been pushing for years. Uh-huh. Treasure Island in space. <laughs> and they just were pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. It never happened. They always got put on other projects. You know, they're too valuable for the studio. You know, whatever they touch kind of turns to gold. Yeah. And, and they did. And so finally they're like, okay, you can do your treasure island in space thing and (laughs) while it had a lot of interesting elements for me it just didn't come together now i know that this is a cult classic now Uh and people love the character design and and it really does have a cult classic status but at the time it it wasn't and even for me it's still not quite that i'm not gonna go out of my way to watch treasure planet i think another reason why i never really got into this is because i kind of felt like it was a ripoff of titan ae which (laughs) came out in 2000 which i was like this is just weird like why are they doing i just don't get it (laughs) because so treasure (laughs) planet 2002 titan ae i just felt like it was just a repeat of something we've already seen and titan ae didn't really do very well so i kind of grouped those together then we have Brother Bear. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> like oh, we're not list. done yet, guys. It's, it, it, we're heading down the slope of, <laughs> to the slope of despair. And it, just like, it, like I, just, I said, in 1985, it was uh, the Black Cauldron. You know, when yeah. we hit 2005, it's, again, another something about the fives doesn't uh, do well. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, Brother Bear, it's like, I don't even, what is there to say? Okay, he turns into the... The bear, and then you have to figure their way out, and yada, yada, yada. I, uh, they have a singer that's kind of supposed to be like Phil Collins, but yeah, someone else. You know? Right. And, uh, <laughs> just a no. Just to make that no. Just a, a sideshow uh, bomb. It's just like, what, what, is, what is cool about this film? What's interesting? What, 
do I want? You know, this was the last traditionally animated film before the Florida studios. Uh huh. And at this point, you can really see these films are taking a hit from Pixar and all of the CGI films. Yeah. You know, not only are the CGI films just taking over, but Disney is not doing a good job with what they have to really hold their stake in the ground and say, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter that it's CGI. We can still do great animated films that are traditionally animated because we have story behind us. There's elements of Brother Bear that are trying to lean into a couple different movies. You're trying to lean into the Tarzan. You're trying to lean into the to the the mystical ancestor or something in the sky with Lion King. And like there's just elements that they're trying to like pull from. <laughs> I think when Pixar comes in at this point, uh, they really do have this was Pixar's era and they really push forward because they wanted to define who they were and Disney has become, well, we're following what we think is popular as opposed to what we are and who we want to be and defining themselves. And I think that this, what this whole 10 years was, is just kind of like <laughs> losing yourself in the face of new competition. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a, a Woody and buzz storyline you yeah, know the yeah. spaceman's coming around and you're you represent the old guard in the old ways and how do you handle it what do you do yeah and can you survive or do you just sink and 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 drown so <laughs> and right now we're we're floundering <laughs> yeah we're we're really floundering we're right barely now holding so on. home on the range 2004 you know they said hey well let's musicals used to work right. let's bring them back so they brought back alan Menken. And it's about, you know, these three cows that have to band together to save the farm from foreclosure. (laughs) Oh, man. And it just has Roseanne, who I don't know if she would be your choice of a lead. um, For (laughs) for just being super compelling. Her voice is a little, like, it kind of grates slightly. Yes. So I've, and I have... I have no personal beef with Roseanne. Some of her stuff has been really funny, which I've appreciated. Some of her stuff, I'm just like, eh, I'm not a fan. I, it's just, I go on, on, on a project by like project Roseanne basis. Roseanne was something from the eighties, you know, mm-hmm. her, the hate, heyday for her. And then we're bringing her back 20 years later. Yeah. I'm not sure how this, you know, really resonates. But her voice in itself is, it's its own thing. And so it's hard to place her in a new character. And also it just, it kind of grates. On a tonal level, that's kind of where I'm at when you're talking about voice actors, you know. At this point in time, I honestly had given up on Disney. And that makes me sad to say it, but I really had. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was still giving him a chance. This was the last one that I was like, we can do it, Disney. I'm going to go see you. I know. We're going to save the farm. (laughs) I mean, that's sad. This This is kind of a metaphor for what was happening for the studio as uh-huh, for itself. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like this was the last ditch effort to save the farm, save 2D animation. Uh-huh. You know, there was the the Save Disney campaign that Roy was doing at the time. Right. You know, just really upset that they were closing Walt's Pride and Joy, which was the animation division, you know. Right. They closed it to switch over to CGI. Sorry, if you can't beat them, join them. And so then we get Chicken Little in 2005. Just such a bad egg. I Ugh. can't even. I'm not even going to talk about it. If you we want to, you can did. check out our Chicken Little episode. <laughs> it was just rough. Uh huh. 
And but then Mitha Robinson picks back up. So John Lasseter, this is this is the Pixar acquisition. Mm -hmm. John Lasseter becomes the head of both studios and Pixar had had hit after hit after hit. They knew what they were doing. They knew story. John Lasseter was one of the key players of the Pixar brain trust and directors of Pixar. He knew what he was doing. He was the kind of the new guy in animation. He comes and was able to save meet the Robinsons. Yeah. To make it watchable and doable. And <laughs> not just watchable. Not, it was very good. I, I have a very yeah. tender feeling when I think of meet the Robinsons. Yeah. I, I don't have a negative feeling. You know, if I just say, Hey, Meet the Robinsons, positive or negative. Chicken Little, positive or negative. Home on the Range, positive or negative. Like, mm -hmm. this is the first time in a while that it's positive. Yeah. So we're coming up. You know, this is the pre-revival. This this would be probably the pre-revival. Would this be if the... If you were to call that that. Yeah. yeah. All, all the rest is a nothing. That's no pre-revival nothing. That's, <laughs> that's the fall. The downfall. <laughs> this is like going from Treasure Planet all the way to Chicken Little. It was just like having four black cauldrons in a row. Like, this is how bad it felt to me during this time period. And so I would kind of consider Meet the Robinsons maybe on level with the great mouse detective, maybe I would, I would yeah, say I that so. kind of like, a, yeah. okay, we're, we're, we're going to start something new here. Yep. And then Bolt. I agree. And then we have Bolt and Bolt, you know, initially was called like American dog or something. Uh -huh. They changed it. And I recently watched Bolt with my kids. They actually really like Bolt. Huh. Um, it's okay. <laughs> I wouldn't, I, it's not quite meet the Robinson's level, but, um, it didn't do that well in the box office either. So, so yeah, I mean, Disney's trying, you know, they're, they're still, they have, they're kind of having success and not having success. And, you know, John Lasseter wasn't involved with these films from the very beginning, from inception to really say like, to vet it, like, this is a great idea, great concept. Mm -hmm. You know, he just had to come in and kind of fix what he could. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we will hit the revival era starting with princess and the frog. And that brings back to the animation. We're going to talk about that next time, but you know, this is where we're left off for this post Renaissance era mm -hmm. or the true Disney dark ages as Chelsea calls it. So let's rank these. There are 11 in total. So mine, number 11, chicken little followed by dinosaur Fantasia, 2000 brother bear, Atlantis, the lost empire home on the range. Then our top five, we have Bolt, Treasure Planet, Meet the Robinsons, Lilo and Stitch, and Emperor's New Groove. I'm honestly so shocked that I put Bolt so high. I am as well. But I think that's because the bottom is just so bad. Like, it really just does a huge cliff dive for the bottom six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so number 11, we got Brother Bear. Number 10, Bolt. Number 9, Fantasia. Number 8, Chicken Little. Number seven, Home on the Range. All right, we're picking up a little bit, eh, <laughs> if you can call it that. Number six <laughs> is Treasure Planet. Number five, Dinosaur. All right. Number four, Atlantis. Number three, Meet the Robinsons. Number two, Lilo. And number one, Emperor's New Groove. Okay, so I did change mine after looking at this. I dropped Bolt two spaces. Okay. So Home on the Range and Atlantis are higher than Bolt. So. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Let the record stand. <laughs> I, I agree with that, that they are higher than Bolt. But I just like, Bolt is just, ugh. 
I have a hard time with I just can't get through it. I'd rather watch Brother Bear. I'd no, no. I'd rather watch Bolt than Brother Bear. Oh, um, any day of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I'm at as well. Brother Bear. So. I just I can't get through it. Oh, poor Brother Bear. We're sorry. We're sorry. Chicken little, 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 even though, like, how is that? I feel Chicken like little that's... is my bottom of the bottom. That is just <laughs> pathetic, embarrassing. I, mean, I will never. I will never watch it again. I think I'm you're shocked right. that you have things above that. You, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm like I said when we were first talking about, like, I think our major problems with each other are going to be like you even give that one even higher. What? <laughs> you well, think but, there's hey, something hey, better we, than that? We, we we do agree on our top. Yeah, we have. The top three are general consensus. Emperor's New Groove, Lilo and Stitch, Meet the Robinsons. Boom, boom, boom. Good, good, good. Dinosaur. I mean, I could watch Dinosaur more than I can watch Brother Bear. I, and you I have think Brother I just need Bear to give Dinosaur higher. another chance. When I think of it, it's just like, meh, boring. So... It's boring, yeah, but it's let not us bad. <laughs> right, right. So let us know your thoughts. Are we completely wackadoo or <laughs> off our rockers? Or do you agree with our rankings of the post-Renaissance age? We will be getting into our final age of Disney coming up in future episodes. We're going to be talking about the Disney revival era. Lots of really great films to talk about and a, a wide variety of films, which will be very good. So that's all that we have for today. Until next time, we, we are, are the Rotoscopers. Rotoscopers. Hello, recording. I'm now recording. Levels look good. Hey, howdy, hey, that's me. I'm on a yo yo. I'm on a yo yo. <laughs> I don't want to call you Pippa sometimes. <laughs> Am I your child? Is that? I don't know. I don't. It's just I'm. I'm always talking to you. I'm always talking me? to you. <laughs> Definitely not. Oh, I'm tired now. I need to go lay down. Okay. Which is sad. <laughs> You've been listening to the Animation Addicts podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to leave us a five star review. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help spread the word, be sure to share the podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag us at Rotoscopers on Instagram and use the hashtag Animation Addicts. For all the links and full show notes for this episode, go to rotoscopers.com slash podcast. Now, if you still can't get enough for your animation fix, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and visit rotoscopers.com for more animation news, reviews, and interviews. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.